This episode, you aren't listening to Why Try. This is the audio-only version of Bill O'Connor's presentation to Autodesk University, available on the Autodesk website. I'm pleased to say there's pretty minimal overlap between our interview in the previous episode and the talk he gives here, so I'm excited to try this new format. If you want to watch the video presentation, you can find a link to that in the show notes. So without further ado, here is Bill O'Connor speaking at Autodesk University. Innovation. It's a great word, right? But it's also a terrible word. Does anyone recognize this wave? This is an actual wave that breaks south of San Francisco. Who knows Mavericks? Any surfers here? I love California as a former New Yorker because they surf tidal waves in California. It's one of the things I love about California. Usually they survive, which is nice as well. So innovation is kind of like this, we think at Autodesk. It's exciting. Look at this guy. Look at the experience he's having. He's surfing a tidal wave. It's unbelievable. He's using the latest technology, incredible mindset, skill set, unbelievable ride. He's going where other people can't go. It's thrilling. But what if he falls? You know, the board could flip apart. There's some serious danger here with surfing tidal waves like this. The jet ski may not catch them, et cetera, et cetera. So innovation is kind of this yin-yang. We're drawn to it, and we're also repulsed by it. Does anyone know what I mean? I want to do this whole. So one person, raise your hand if you agree. Who doesn't like to raise their hand? Anybody? Okay, very good. It's a trick question. Yeah, okay. So this is what innovation is like. I've been a student of innovation, a reluctant and fascinated student for about 25 years, and I know what I think about it, but I want to know what you guys think about it a little bit. So let me ask you three little questions, get the pulse of the crowd. First of all, how many people believe, and this is a two-parter, how many people believe, show of hands, um, that innovation is a baloney buzzword that needs to shut the hell up for a while? Anybody? Anybody? Anybody sick of it? Let's go. Some hands up. Who's not sick of it? It's got to add up to 100, right? I want to see hands up here. But who at the same time also thinks that real innovation is a powerful driving force in the world and the business world? Who thinks that? Right. It's a schizophrenic. You have to think both. We have an ambivalent relationship with innovation because that has not been resolved. That's one of the things I'm talking about today. Question number two. Now the rubber's really going to hit the road. How many people in this room, smart crowd, can give me an ironclad definition of innovation? Show of hands. I've, one man, would you like to come up, please, sir? That's why people don't do it. I've given this talk hundreds of times. It's never more than one or two very confident people. It's always guys, by the way. I love that. It's always men, right? But anyway, you might have a good definition. But do you see the point? A room full of smart people? I don't know. If I asked you 12, plus 12 times 12, you'd know what that is. But what is innovation? People are afraid to raise their hand. Very interesting. Third question. Now the rubber's really hitting the road. Are you innovative? I'm going to pick on you because I can sort of see you, right? Who in the room here regularly innovates? Okay, the usual 5% of like tentative hands up, right? It's interesting, it's such an important topic, but we have an ambivalent emotional relationship to it. We don't really know what it is, or we don't agree, and we don't know how to do it. It's kind of fascinating. And that's what I'm gonna talk about today, a concept, get away from the baloney, I wanna talk about real innovation, which is basically what it is, my opinion, our opinion, and how to do it. Everything here is about your work that I'm going to talk about. The only thing more exciting than the future is your future, right? And the Innovation Genome Project puts your work at the center, and it really gives you a set of tools to hopefully make it more innovative. So I'm going to give you only a little background before I get to the tools. First, I want to ask you, who understands what this concept is? Ibnu, show of hands. I made it up so you have a lot of confidence. <laughs> it's a trick question. I want to talk to you later. Either you're clairvoyant or you're just a genius. Oh, you've seen the talk before. Ibnu is a terrible feeling. It's a debilitating disease. Ask your doctor if Ibnu is wrong for you today. Ibnu means interesting but not useful. Who's felt that way? I feel that way right now, actually. <laughs> I haven't helped you guys worth a damn, right? Who feels that I'm Ibnu right now? <laughs> Who feels that I've been useful? 
Ah, nobody, see? I've tricked you again. This was the etiology, I think it's vestigial Irish Catholic guilt. I was feeling ibnu, ibnu, ibnu. <laughs> Any Irish Catholics in the room recovering or otherwise? Okay. So I was feeling this, and I'm, oh, good laughter. I like that. I'm gonna, I was feeling this, and I didn't like the feeling. So John Pittman, my boss, and I basically came up with something that's the Innovation Genome Project, and we're going to talk about it, right? So the background is, fortunately today, this, this project is being used in Autodesk. The techniques, the innovation techniques inside Autodesk, Silicon Valley startups, big customers from Autodesk, small customers, the Department of Defense, the Navy. It's out there. It's being used. It's a research project that has practical results. But it started out feeling very, um, from an impulse of feeling not useful. I'll give you a little background. Uh, I've been, for the last eight years, the CEO speechwriter for Autodesk. Who knows Carl Bass, our STEAM CEO here, and also Jeff Kowalski, the CTO. There was a four-year period where we were doing lots of speeches. And you know how it happens. Uh, we'd like Carl Bass to speak at a conference. That's great. What would you like him to talk about? What do they always say? That's right. Exactly. Oh, uh, we'd like him to talk about innovation. Okay. <laughs> what, what about it? We don't really know what it is, but we hear it's important. Could he talk about it, please? Okay, we'll talk about it. So we went through this phase. We've created lots of content about innovation. Notice about innovation. Here's innovation. This was sort of around the edges, right? I'm going to give you a smattering of some of the content we created just to give you the, the foundation of where the Genome Project came from. So we would create things like this. Here's the definition. It's the process of bringing something new or different out into the real world that creates a significant impact. I could debate that for 25 minutes with you. I personally read 60 definitions of innovation, most of them terrible, to try to come up with this one, right? We could debate this. But if you and I debate this, does this help you innovate? Person at the first table? No? No. He shake, for the record, he's shaking his head. No. This is kind of ibnu, right? This might be kind of useful, but it's not really that useful. It's kind of interesting, but not useful. How about this? Innovation. We critique the media. Audis has been on the list of the most innovative companies. We don't know why, right? It's kind of comical. It's a cool kid's table in the lunchroom, right? Oh, Autodesk and Google, and they got ping pong tables. And, but, you know, it's a cool kid's table. It's baloney, a lot of it. We used to talk about how the books are written uh, about a very small section of innovation technology, mostly based in Silicon Valley. We can critique this for half an hour. Does that help you innovate? Not really, right? Let's keep going. Who's this? This is innovation porno. Does anyone know what I mean? It's voyeurism. This is not you. You might learn some things. It's exciting, but it's not you. You're not going to do this work. How many people were embarrassed by that joke? Anybody? I was. This, and you guys know this, but this is not how you learn innovation. You can't put on the turtle neck and be mean to people and get innovation, right? Although people have tried it. Swear to God, people have tried. I'm wearing a turtleneck. I'm being a bit of a jerk today. Innovate. Get on it. Let's go. Doesn't work, right? So I'm going through quickly. This is the stuff we used to talk about. Hey, very smart people running large organizations, obsessed with innovation. They don't know what it is. I'm from the Bay Area, so legally I have to be a Democrat or they kick you out, right? It's almost true. I like Obama, but he does not know what innovation is. He thinks it just means jobs, right? So, but, but China, America, obsessed with innovation, don't know what it is. Fascinating situation. Who cares? Did that help you innovate? No, no, you're supposed to go like this. Don't. <laughs> that is not useful. Let's get even, let's get a little closer to useful. We did this whole thing. Invention is this thing. Innovation is this thing. Design is often the bridge. Self-serving, because we're Autodesk, but we believe it's true. We can go on, on and on and on. And maybe one of our greatest hits, the innovation continuum, this is our Freebird. Any Leonard Skinner fans here? This is Freebird for us. It's basically a thing that says every innovation in human history goes through these phases. You should definitely plot everything you're doing now against this because you think you're over here in the cool zone, impossible and practical, and the value goes up, but you're probably closer to the top. You're not as like ahead of the curve as you think. We can talk for an hour on this, right? 
have I been useful to anyone in the room? Please raise your hand. John, help me out. <laughs> I told him to do that. This is still not very useful, right? This might help you think about innovation. Frankly, 95% of the innovation jackasses, which I affectionately say, get up and talk about stuff like this. It's mental models. It's poetry. As a recovering English major, and I was sad to hear our profession is now number two in the most useless degrees. Very sad to me. It's a big blow to me just now. This is still not as useful as it, as it has to be. So IBNU is not good enough. And that's when John and I started talking, how can we create something that people could actually use? Real innovation. That's what I want to talk about today, and that's what I want to talk about with the genome. One little more uh, parallel. Um, who saw The Matrix? Anybody? If Keanu Reeves, instead of learning Kung Fu, had come at the agents with a book on karate, what would have happened? <laughs> Dead. Right? But if, karate, if innovation is now martial arts, that's what we're given. I read a book on innovation. I have no idea how to do it, but I'm going to read another book on innovation to remain you know, ignorant on it. I want to be, who's seen Karate Kid? <laughs> I want to be Mr. Miyagi. I want to teach some moves. And if, you, if the power goes out now, I'm still Ibnu, but I'm about to get interesting, I hope. And the moves that I'm going to show you, this is where it connects to the project, are from the greatest innovators in history. We finally got some sort of a systematic analysis of innovation where you can say, that's what they did, and I can apply it today. That's why I think this has gotten whatever traction it has, not just because it's interesting, but because when I walk off stage, anyone in this room can use the techniques. And I'll see if I can uh, come through on that claim. So I want to be very practical. So let's talk about the genome, right? Carl Bass and I did a talk a while, well, Carl did the talk we worked on a while back and said, we've been innovating for 2.6 million years. That's the first innovation in human history. It's the stone hand axe. I think a woman came up with it. And, like, Wilma did it and Fred got the credit. <laughs> you know what I mean? A woman was like, oh, this is ridiculous. She sharpened it. And there it is. It helps to cut things better, right? Now, it's interesting that when Carl and I were talking about this, we realized that the principles of design and innovation haven't really changed that much. The step from the pre-innovation to the post-innovation state, pre-innovation is like, all right, I'll take whatever rock I get to. I'm going to change the rock. That's pretty brilliant, right? That kind of thinking is transferable even today. So look at the range we're talking about here. You might say, hey, Bill, everything's completely different today. Is it? Do you see what I mean? <laughs> That's the first mobile device over there right? <laughs> it's excellent. Both are designed for the human hand to extend human capabilities. Both have a certain beauty, right? Did you get 2.0, the upgrade? This doesn't fit the new charger, though. <laughs> this is 2.0. This is, you know, Samsung is coming out. There's all this competition. But the point I want to make here is we started to think, my God, this is the Shanghai Tower. Can anyone tell me where it's located? Thank you very much. I'll be here all weekend. Shanghai Tower, incredibly complex. But if you go one level down and look in the DNA, how did the person that invented the stone hand axe get there from the previous state? Same thing, how did the people that did the Shanghai Tower get there from previous skyscrapers? That's what I'm going to talk to you guys about today. The fundamental bedrock moves of innovation that we have found in the 350 innovations we've talked about so far. Okay, you might say, here she is. Let's give her a round of applause. She invented the stone hand axe. <laughs> Personal friend of mine. You might say, that's all different. Hey, look, the impulse to create is the same. Elon Musk. I'm definitely going to get sued by him, and that's totally fine. But you see the point? We've been doing it for 2.6 million years, and we still don't understand it. You guys just proved to me we don't understand it yet, right? But the nice thing is it's been out there. So let's get to the DNA of it. Now let's get to the moves that everyone from our innovatress here to Elon Musk have used. And the fascinating thing is that it's a seamless line. What they have done in the past, you can do today. Okay, we started thinking genome was kind of a metaphor. Who knows Pandora? 
Pandora tells you what song you'll like because of the music genome. Figured, how about an innovation genome? Let's do a systematic study. I hate most of the books on innovation. They're very partial and pretty stupid. So let's try to do a full study of innovation. Transferable insights, that's the point. I still haven't been useful to you guys. I understand that. I've got 19 minutes to go. I haven't helped you really. But this is what I'm about to get to, I promise. Insights that other people have used that you can use right away. Without transferable insights, it's very IBNU, right? So what are we doing with the project? History's most important thousand innovations, and I'll talk about that in a sec, identify best practices used by innovators, still IBNU. The non-IBNU is when we create a process people can use, and that's what we've done. This project is almost four years old. For two years now, we've been going out and applying the techniques, and they actually work. And so again, that's what I'm basing my message to you over and over again, is try these techniques. They are, they are useful and they have worked. Okay, let's get to the start. Top level, we created so that every innovation wouldn't be technology and photo sharing apps, which is our predilection maybe because we're in Silicon Valley. Phases of history, types of innovation. I could talk about this for half an hour. We just did this to make sure it was kind of a balanced approach, right? And I'd love to talk to you guys at lunch about this, but I'm gonna just say this is one of the frameworks we use. Here's the first list we came up with. There's the stone hand axe up there. Look at this sweep of history. We can kind of be proud of this, right? This is unbelievable. And look at how the years go. This is our legacy. But you'll notice this is pretty technocentric, right? This is a better list. Uh, microfinance, democracy, real estate. Did these things have an impact on the world? Of course they did, right? They don't have to be technology. So we decided if we go wide and deep and go far back, the more wide-ranging the innovations we use, the more robust the techniques will be. So this is what we started with. Let's get to some best practices. If you only see this slide, I will have given you some value. If you, don't, if you don't do these things, you can't innovate. If you do them, you must innovate. Generating potentially innovative ideas, prioritizing those ideas, and taking action on them. That's it, right? And that might sound obvious, but man, is that everywhere in the research. So let's get to the first one about generating innovative ideas, right? So this is what we discovered. Specific innovation examples, fire, democracy, Steam power, Twitter, you might say they don't have a lot in common, right? Yes, they do. Remember, the pre-innovation to post-innovation state, we were here and then amazingly we got here. To get there, they all have a universal innovation question in common. What can we look at differently, okay? If you subtract that question from the innovations, probably about 50% of them go away. If you subtract how to look at things differently from democracy, relationship between people and the government, you don't have democracy. Now, the fact that you understood that right away, don't confuse that with the fact that it's incredibly powerful. I've been doing consulting all over the place, mostly with Autodesk customers, and that question right there will give you the ideas that are right over here. We're paid as professionals to really have a perspective, but what's funny is that the best ideas that are gonna to lead to our innovations are right over here. They are right here, and we just have to look at them in a different way. That's what these questions do. And that's still IBNU, but what your next innovation is. That's what this is all about. And you'll see that we're gonna apply the questions that we've come up with to whatever you're working on. I wanna talk a little bit about an innovation target. The innovation target is whatever is the best or the worst thing in your professional life. It's the, who's ever gotten fired in the room? Anybody? I love to see who raises their hand. There's some confident people. Put in the middle the innovation target, someone's laughing. Um, the worst thing that you're like, oh God, this is gonna kill me, this is gonna hurt my company, or, I'm very, very excited about. That's what goes in the middle, and that's what you apply the questions to. So let's take a look at it. Let's look at the process people can use. I, I had MBA students working for me for free. It's fantastic. When you have an innovation project, they just work for free. They're going to come over. I've had 26 of them. God bless them, right? So I said to them, basically, let's, get, let's look for these questions. We found these questions everywhere. Embedded in the DNA of these innovations were always two to four questions. 
And those questions are also useful for whatever you're working on. So the questions are the following. What can we look at in a new way or from a new perspective? What can we use in a new way or for the first time? Move, changing position in time or space, interconnect in a different way or for the first time, alter or change in terms of design and performance, make, uh, creating something truly new, and what can we imagine to create a great experience for someone? If you only ask these seven questions about your innovation target, you'll get new and better ideas. I'm such an innovation geek. I've done over 1,000 brainstorming sessions in, in Silicon Valley in the last 20 years. If I don't use these questions, I can't get the same results myself with my usual bag of tricks. So again, if you remember only one slide, it's like these seven questions, we boiled them down. We had hundreds of questions. These are the key. These are the ones that show up in 40 to 60% of every innovation. And that's still IBNU, but in the last two years, every time I've taken usually an executive's innovation target, put it on the wall, the, the room fills up with ideas, and I always ask them the same self-serving question. How many of those ideas have you never thought of before? It's 50%. So again, that, this is a tool to give you 50% different ideas about whatever your most complex project is. This is how we do it. We throw that in the middle. We ask the questions there. What can we look at? What can we use, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I'll give you some examples. Again, these are from antiquity because we're so tech-focused. Here's an example of, look, fire used to be the worst thing in the world. It was the thing that destroyed the camp. Who likes, uh, anyone watch Seinfeld? Anybody? You should mostly be raising your hands here. Is anyone awake in here? <laughs> Is this mic on? Bum, bum, bum. Picture Jerry and George running away. Oh, God, you know, they destroyed the camp again. This is the worst thing in the world. Some genius had to say, no, no, this is the best thing in the world. It's a weapon. It's a way to keep warm and dry and cook the food, right? So the fact that fire has been done, don't confuse that with the fact that we should all be asking, what can we look at differently? We don't ask it. It sounds so obvious, we don't. We should be asking it every day, especially about the toughest things. That's how you get civilization, right? Here's another one. Use. This is the idea of using things that already exist. What was the internet used for back in the day? I was there. Yes, it was used for cat photos. This is the internet, right? <laughs> yes. Aren't we proud as a species? I've got my go goddamn cat up on a picture on a computer. You want to see it? I'll send it to you, right? eBay said, you know what? We've got this thing. Let's use it to sell things. Don't do eBay, right? But you have to, have to be asking yourself, what are we not using? Oh, right, we acquired that company. There's a new technique. Autodesk is doing something. We hired this person. This company's having problems. Never, when I've done a, a consulting session, do you ask, what can we use and get nothing? Our brains are not set up to systematically use everything in our environment. So ask yourself, what can we use? And that's going to get you some ideas. This is me in high school. It was a sad time for me. Don't laugh. I couldn't get dates. Now, this is about verbal. That's a cheesy joke. This is about verbal language, right? Language, this is about move. Language used to be what I'm doing right now. Then, just by moving it from one place to the other, paper, it transcends time and space. Shakespeare's been dead hundreds of years. We can still read him, and I can send you an email in less than half a second, right? Don't do written language. It's been done. But think about this way in terms of move, move in terms of discipline, move in terms of location, moves in terms of when and, and how things happen. Where did Henry Ford get the idea for the assembly line? Does anyone know? What? I can't hear you really, but meat, yes, slaughterhouse, the meatpacking industry, right? He had a neural accident. He wasn't systematically saying, I'm going to see what I can move from other industries. I'm Henry Ford, one of the most anal retentive people in the world, right? <laughs> so is Jobs. So the, a lot of the innovators are anal retentive, very processy, but they still innovate by accident. He had a neural accident. And I'm saying to you guys, even if you're as good as Henry Ford, don't wait for the accident. Use something a little more specific. So moving was the big surprise. It, so many times the MBAs would come back to me and say, yeah, that one's move. 
That's moved from a discipline, a different approach. So moving something in time or space is really important. Here's one that's not only the most statistically common, interconnecting things that already exist, but it proves sort of the need for a checklist. Okay, this was warfare, right? Spear, 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 spear. What's the next level of warfare? Anybody? Bow and arrow. Something that's sharp connected to something that goes boing, right? You would have thought we would have come upon that pretty quickly, 400,000 years ago. How long did it take our genius ancestors to come up with the next thing? Take a guess. Yes, 391,000 years. How did they survive? <laughs> you know, ancient jackasses, right? But the point here is, if you go away from us thinking, oh, those questions, I probably cover that terrain. You absolutely do not. This idea was in plain sight for 391,000 years, and no one thought to connect it. You know why, too? The one, people that run the tribes are the ones who are good at the spear, right? If I come to you and say, hey, I have an idea, kill. <laughs> in another tribe, I thought we could attach dead. <laughs> With a spear. <laughs> I'm entering the king's tent. He's like, no, spear, right? That happens today in, in corporate America. The people that rose to the top are good at X. Try to bring Y to them. Good luck. It's like bringing bow and arrow. So interconnect, yeah, absolutely should, should do. Alter is music. For example, alter uh, an aspect, design, performance. Music used to be you play what's written down, right? Take one dial and change it. No, we don't play what's written down. Look at that. You got jazz which is an innovation, by the way. So don't do jazz, but you have to be asking, and this is an Autodesk event, so of course you will, change the design, change the performance, change the overall experience of something, right? And again, without changing, um, altering something like that, you don't get jazz. Sometimes there is something new under the sun. The transistor, the thing that started Silicon Valley, I think that's kind of new. This is the least statistical, com statistically common um, question that we find. The compass, I think, is new. I think money is new. Money is not an example, a further example of the barter system. But sometimes just asking what is new is very critical. And this is not just in the research. I, I asked a very smart Audis executive when we were first trying this out. It was kind of funny. He had a complex project, and I got to make. And he said, I don't, you know, I don't need to make anything. And I said three things. Okay, your, your wonderful idea. Does anyone else in the company understand it? Uh, no, not really, right? You should make a three-minute video, right? Now, everyone knows what a video is, but until then, you just hadn't thought of it. Number two, I said, do you think you've gotten enough sort of peer review outside Autodesk on this? No, make an advisory board, right? Oh, everyone knows what that is. He it was right here. He just hadn't thought of it. The third thing, where do you make your people work on this new cool idea? You just make them sit at their desks? Yeah, create a skunk works create a lab, create some place where they can go, right? So make, although it seems like you have everything, when you have your innovation target up there, when you ask, what can we make, what can we create, answers are, are going to come that you never would have thought of, in part because it's so counterintuitive. Imagine, this fell out of the research for a while because it seemed too, like, up in the sky, but the researchers kept coming back and saying, well, look at this innovation. You have to say Imagine was in there. This is like cavemen wanting to fly, or this is like Martin Luther King who said, said I don't care. I might, even get, I might get, not get there with you, but we are going to have civil rights. It's that like spine tingling, I am going to do this because it's great, right? That's everywhere. And the way we operationalize this is we say, what can we imagine that would create a great experience for our customers, right? That's kind of practical. So this is Steve Jobs. This is how Steve Jobs viewed the computer industry, right? He just was annoyed by it. Look, with force of will plus Wozniak, he changed it to this or helped to change it to this, right? And, and Wozniak. Let's make it clear about that. So those are the seven main questions. This is what you'll get if you use them. Different, better, and wilder ideas, which is very important. Using the seven, use it as a list. Use it as a floor topping. Or what is it? What is that old sound? I skip. A dessert topping or a floor cleaner. You put your idea in the middle there, 
Or you can do it like this. Who likes mnemonic devices? We all do, right? Who, likes, who knows what a SWOT, a SWOT analysis is? Look, use, move, interconnect, alter, make, imagine, first letter of each. I'd like to introduce you to your unlikely innovation muse. It's Lou from Miami. Lou, I'm here to help you innovate. I was originally from New York. I heard you're having a problem. You got to look, use, move, interconnect, alter, make, and imagine, right? Who's offended by my New York accent? I certainly am. Lou Miami, if the power goes out right now with seven and a half minutes to go, you have to be asking this. Bring him in. I'm going to get a slide of a big heavy guy with like a parrot on his shirt and a cigar, right? You know that. Who's, I've definitely met Lou Miami in Miami. This is what you have to ask. And by the way, this is distilled. There are, there are hundreds of questions that will give you powerful results. These are the seven best or maybe the seven most essential. Hey, Bill, aren't there more than seven essential innovation questions? I'm glad you asked. How would you have felt if this was my first slide? Oh, you want to punch me in the head, right? Here's my technique. Please change your entire work style to accommodate me and my genius, right? Look at how wonderful this is. I'd want to kill this guy. But I'm hoping now you see, yeah, there's the look, et cetera, et cetera. You say, hey, Bill, we tried, look, we got some ideas. What else do you have? You say, well, did you look at it from a higher level? Ben Franklin looked at the American colonies from a higher level. He saw America. On the political realm, Churchill saw Hitler from a higher level because he was such a genius and steeped in history. Churchill was the first human on earth to know what Hitler was. Now, those are political examples, but there's one, Jeff Kowalski, our CTO. He's amazing at just going helicoptering up and looking from a higher level. And so many times does that disentangle something, right? So you don't have to use this systematically. Use it like a bingo board. If you're not asking how would a kid look at this, you are wasting time or you're losing ideas, right? Or just changing uh, power, import. The, this is the real genome. These are the questions that you should be asking. And again, you might say, well, it takes some time. Well, didn't you say this is an innovation target? Isn't this the most important thing you're working on? Would it kill you to spend a minute saying, what could we harness? Every block on this page will give you different ideas. Ideas are the currency, especially in a world where companies like Audis are automating everything that's not ideation-based. Right? So we're trying to keep you ahead of the curve by saying, we're definitely keeping you ahead of the robots here. Right? This is a human skill ideation. This is a way to amplify your natural ideation skills. Right? But it's, it's software up here. So that's why I try to make it as simple to memorize as possible. All right, there's the eye chart. <laughs> if you want that, take that to the desert island, and you could get off the island. OK, you've generated some ideas. Now what? Prioritize. Simple way to do it. We're terrible at it. This is right from the research. 49 ideas up on the wall. Let's look. I'm going to ask you two questions about each one. How wild is it? How truly different is it? How much could it upset and revolutionize an industry? How much would it scare your competitors, right? 10 is just like it's mind-blowing. And one is like, that's ah, kind of boring. 10 unworldly, how practical is it? If it's free to do tomorrow, it's a 10. But you know, if it's a one, it's like, yeah, we will never do this. We don't have the manpower. We don't have the people. We don't have the technology. So you have a quadrant, right? These are semi-boring ideas that are hard to do. Just don't do them. <laughs> Let's keep it simple, right? These ideas are sort of boring, but you know they're kind of doable. So you don't get rid of them, you improve and move. You say, now it's a new innovation target. Bring Lumiami in. Hey, Lou, how do we make this sort of boring idea more interesting, right? You're going across. The second best way is to say, wait a minute, that's a crazy idea. How do we make it more practical? Can you see how that's easier? It's easier to take a crazy, wild idea and make it more practical. So you're trying to move it up to the goal line, which is, Double sevens. I didn't know it, but my whole career I was looking for double sevens. And this is a metric on innovation. You had a meeting with lots of smart people. How many double seven ideas did you get? None. That's not a good meeting. <laughs> I wouldn't admit that out loud, right? We need a metric for innovation. So that's something you should shoot for. And who's ever played the game Clue, the board game? 
This is how, you know how you leave the room? You leave the room through the upper right. If you walk out of a room with five double eight ideas, even if you're in the most boring, crappy, stultifying organization possible, you're, who knows Dilbert, right? Your Dilbert manager is going to try to at least steal the idea, right? So the, the way to innovate when you have to open the door again is to get the most powerful ideas. This is not scribbling on the wall. This is a one more layer of rationality where you say, that is a double eight idea. I can prove it in court. That would revolutionize us, the industry, to some degree, and we can do it. And, and the point is you're always moving that way. It leads to a conversation. If it's in one of these quadrants, try to move it up there. So that's a way to prioritize. How to take action. I can't go into this in detail. This is proscriptive and descriptive of once you have your idea, how do you go about it? And I can talk to you guys about lunch about this. We're very excited about this. Brilliant description, thought experiment, threat assessment. It's very military. Boss approval, iteration improvement, finalization launch, and then you basically do it forever. And I can talk more about this in detail. I've only a few minutes left. So again, GPA. If you're really pressed for time, three hours, folks. You're going to generate 50 ideas in an hour. You're going to prioritize 10 ideas in an hour. And that's because you're going to have an exciting debate with your colleagues. And then you're going to act on two ideas and do the planning. If you only do this, you will innovate. If you just do this right now at the table, you will innovate. So this is my whole point. It's not really like riding the wave. If you put anything in the middle of a piece of paper and ask those seven questions, the ideas you get will be the G. And then you can prioritize and take action. So again, this came from literally 2.6 millions of years of research, but you can do it right now. And I hope you do try it. And I'll be at the tables. I'll try it with you. You know, I love to do this stuff. So that's the point. An hour, hour, hour. Final thought. Who likes Game of Thrones? Who likes Tolkien? I know it's AU. Somebody likes Tolkien, right? The, the, the print, the great ideas are not inside the walled city where everything's warm and protected. This is in the corporate world. It's all the money is and the promotions and everything, right? The dangerous ideas are out in the danger. These seven questions or the 49 are ways to get the hell out from the wall, over the wall or under the wall. Go find the great idea and bring it back. Wild world. If scribes and written language is in the middle, where's the printing press, inside or outside the wall? It's outside. You have to go outside the wall and connect, like Gutenberg did, right? The stamp punch and the wine press. It's crazy, but that's where it is. So that's what I'm saying, go outside the wall. I'll end with a joke. I'm a New Yorker and Bostonian who's in California. The openness of the culture in San Francisco and the Bay Area is why there's so much innovation. I'm going to offend more of you with a bad New York accent. Okay, I'm a dentist from New York, and I come up to you at a party, and I say, you know, I, my patients get nervous when I'm drilling on them. I thought I would do something a little crazy, and I want to bring in a llama to let them pet. What do you think of that, right? Let them pet during the drilling. What would you say if you're a New Yorker? Ah, schmuck, that's a crazy idea, right? Do you know what a Californian says? What kind of llama? <laughs> Why not two llamas? My aunt has a llama in Petaluma. We could do it on Thursday. I'm making fun of California, but that's... That's the difference in temperament. So I, as I'll leave you with this, the fact that we have these tools, and, and when you use these tools, bring to it the spirit of the llama. Oh, there's my new book, <laughs> The Spirit of the Llama by Bill O'Connor. Um, bring that spirit with you of the yes and the opening, even if it's a crazy idea. That will make the tools work better. I ho hope you try the tools, and I hope this made sense to you. Thank you very much.